and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos. The Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, as well, if you can give a five-star review to the awesome show that my guest here today does, Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, in Wizards. I might be more believing now after what happened this week. But if you can go ahead and give his show an outstanding five-star review, it is greatly appreciated as well. Plus, if you can like, subscribe, follow, share, or do whatever you can to support all these great shows that we do, it is greatly appreciated. I'll tell you what. There was a little bit of action again in the NBA as we get closer and closer to the start of this truncated regular season. And in fact, earlier today, about a third of the games, or actually almost up to half, half actually uh, half of the games were announced as far as the schedule is concerned. So hopefully the guys on Sunday at LakerHolics.com and I will go ahead and just look into that to see which which matches up best, and maybe they'll go ahead and and announce more games down the road. But but right now, it was a busy week because not only there was there a big trade, but there was two awesome extensions for you Los Angeles Lakers fans out there. So you know you have AD and LeBron for actually probably a little bit more than you expected. But to hear, but here today to talk about those extensions and, of course, the huge trade for his team is a good man indeed. You got to check out, like I said before, Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe from the Believe Network, Believe in Wizards, with his great co-host, actually the host, co-host, whatever. He is actually the- We one, share duties. You share duties? Okay, so fellow host. How about that? Fellow host, because I like to always call, call that. Fellow host, former NBA great Larry Hughes, a man who I knew could fill it up like uh, very few others in his, uh, in his prime. You got to go ahead and hear him, and also my guest as well, every time out, wherever you get your podcasts on the believe in wizard show it is matt moderno and matt great to have you back it's been way too long and i truly thank you for coming back on the show today yeah it's great i'm looking forward to it finally some uh interesting basketball news to talk about absolutely indeed so i will go ahead for lakers fans and uh delve into the extensions first because there's a lot to say when it comes to the Mono Imano trade uh, that the Wizards did and see how that fits because it might be actually a good thing for her. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a sec. But I wanted to go ahead and reach out to you in regards to your thoughts and your insight from an outsider's perspective, per se. Because I was saying before, I, I know I hear always Laker Tom and my friends at the Lakerholics.com, and, and you know they'll always see it a certain way with the rose colored shades on. But I always had to get an outsider's perspective, a different fan's perspective, per se. On, on some of the major moves that the Lakers make. And the Lakers did get a commitment, an extension for LeBron for an extra two years. So we now have him for a full three years. And AD signed a, a four-year, well, actually a three-year plus one. So that we, at least we will have them both for three years. LeBron surprisingly did not add a player option because that would have cost him a million dollars from what I'm understanding. And he's got to have every million he can get, I guess, apparently. But he can't didn't... leave that on the table. Yeah, he can't leave that on the table. But he did not want a player option in the third year, which I was found surprising. But I wanted to hear your thoughts when it comes to these extensions. LeBron's is worth $85 million. 80 is worth $190 million. 
Although this doesn't necessarily take them out 100% out of the Shana's Atentacumpo sweepstakes, it's going to be a lot harder for the Lakers to go ahead and get that done. But at least, the very least, we have a championship duo for three more years. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, I think that's the thinking there, and, and, and Giannis would be a nice to have, but uh, do, do you really need him at this point? I think if you can continue to surround those guys with, with solid vets and a couple young guys, that that's probably enough. And if any franchise is poised to go you know, deeper into the luxury tax to be able to, to make a move for somebody like Giannis, I, I got to think the Lakers are one of the few teams that could you know, realistically pull something like that off. Oh yeah, I would go heavy into the tax if Jonas went knocking on the door, or uh, you know, some other superstar came knocking on the door. Because you never know with health issues, and LeBron is getting older. You never know at what point in time the cyborg that he is may start to get some squeaky joints or whatnot, and and may actually falter just list, just a little. I know, perish the thought, right? That that could actually happen, but. He is, I think, human. I'm not quite 100 percent sure, but I, you know, <laughs> Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies. So I think he, uh, we know he's a cyborg, but we also think that he might be human at some point. At some point, it's got to catch up to him. I, I think I've been saying that for five or six years, though. So okay. he, maybe it won't. Well, Father uh, Time is undefeated, but it, it, you know, that's unde- exactly right. Yeah, Father Time is undefeated, but in this case, it's going to be a long run before you catch up to him. How about that? That's right. Yeah, they're they're going the full uh, 10, 12 rounds there uh, at the very least. Uh, the two-year extension is interesting because the first thought I had was, okay, uh, is his kid draft eligible by 2022? Because that, that's always been the the sort of running rumor there that he wants to stick around long enough for that. And uh, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that assuming he could come out out of high school, it would be 2023 draft yeah. at the earliest. So that that was my first thought, though, is is that what we're holding on for at this point? It's very unique that that's the case because he has mentioned that his desire, and obviously, you know, as if as a parent, I would love that opportunity as well. So I totally get where he's coming from, uh, but that would be 2023, I think, where it stands right now with Bronny, uh, and then. Uh, you also have the situation where this just came out of the blue. Uh, we were not expecting it as Laker fans. Uh, we were expecting him just to go into free agency and then re-upping with the Lakers. I think that was the expectation. If they do similar, uh, you know, the, whether they win a championship or get to that close to that level that he was going to re-up, uh, you know, again, this just came out of the blue. And I was like, wow, okay, he's committing. He's he's going all in for the Lakers for the next three years. And I thought that was a nice surprise for Lakers fans. You know, there's some talk about could the cap actually go down given everything that's happened with COVID. So maybe you take the two solid years now or, or for AD, the potential four, and and just lock yourself into a nice chunk of change. And if if things go up, you know, a couple years from now, great. But at least you've probably weathered the storm in terms of any potential fallout from from all the loss of revenue, you know, this upcoming year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a best way to say it as well. I I agree with you on that. And then with AD, that was even a little bit more surprising because you know the the heavy thought process was him getting back into free agency as soon as he could, which would have been a one and plus one. When, like you said, after the COVID phase, but people are starting to go back into the arenas, people are starting to fill the arenas and obviously pay money. So maybe in 2022, 2020, you know, right there, 2023, maybe uh, you would just have that option. But 
Yeah, this was a little bit longer commitment. Although, like you said, in, uh, I think, what, one, two, three, three seasons, uh, he'll have the choice to go ahead and actually get back out on the market. But it's a little bit longer than I think a lot of people were anticipating. I, I assumed AD would do a similar length deal to LeBron and kind of lock himself in for, hey, as long as LeBron's guaranteed to be here, I'll be here, and then we'll keep reassessing. But, uh, you know, I, I think if if you win a championship in the first year, he's he's got that off his back. and. Yeah. He's pretty secure financially, so might as well uh, stay in, in sunny California for as long as you can. Uh, I guess if you can and get kev- and get heavily compensated for it, you know what? Why not? Why not indeed? Once again, I'm on with Matt Moderno. He is from the Believe in Wizards podcast. You got to go ahead and check him and Larry Hughes out each and every time out when it comes to the Believe in Wizards. And I have a feeling... I haven't checked here in, in the past few days. But I actually was checking before the massive trade that they just did for the Washington Wizards. But I have a feeling there's a podcast there for you in regards to the upcoming trade that we're going to, the upcoming conversation we're going to have in regards to the trade that just happened. Just dropped last night. Yeah, it just dropped. And that is John Wall for Russell Westbrook. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Actually, also, Houston is getting a first-round draft pick. It is also uh, heavily protected. So uh, whether or not it materializes uh, to an actual first-round pick, we're going to have to wait and see. But I want to hear your thoughts and insight on why this happened and how this is going to affect both teams, in your opinion. I think this is one of the few NBA trades that I look at where I think both teams are in a better position. I mean, realistically... They're probably comparable-ish in terms of on-court impact at this point. They have a similar uh, style yeah. play, or, or actually similar yeah, makeup. Yeah. They both rely on their speed, athleticism, suspect on the shooting as far as from distance. Uh, I mean, obviously, John Wall's a little bit bigger question coming off an Achilles injury. He hasn't played since 2018? 2018, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's getting up there as far as the amount of time he's been off the court, so it's we have to wait and see. I, I heard his workouts have been amazing, quote unquote, and uh, we'll have to wait and see here what this time next week, actually, when exhibition games really start up. So I want to hear your thoughts as far as if this is something that for let's let's take a look at it from the Rockets point of view. They're getting him and a first round draft pick. Obviously, it's something where it just hasn't worked now with Chris Paul, with him and James Harden. It hasn't worked with. Russell Westbrook, apparently, and James Harden. Uh, where do you think it's going to work with John Wall? Do you think John Wall and James Harden is going to work? Because I have my doubts. I have my doubts James Harden will be staying long enough to make it work. Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario, unless they, they try this out to the All-Star break and, and it you know overachieves. Maybe you keep it together for the year and then see where you're at. But I think you're probably right, although if if I'm going to be an optimist, I would say that Wall might actually be, I think he's a lesser player than Westbrook at this point, but he's probably a better fit next to Harden just because he's a sort of better uh, spot-up shooter. You know, he's not a great shooter, but he shoots in the, the low to mid-30s, whereas Westbrook is in you know, the mid to high 20s. So maybe with a little lower usage and a little bit better ability to spot up, he, he makes Harden's life a little bit better. But I think this is one of those things where, where Russ wasn't going to report to camp. He wasn't happy with uh, the coaching addition. He wasn't happy with the change in GM, you know, maybe he soured a little bit on playing with Harden anyway. So 
if you had to do something, you know, th- this is a, probably a lateral move for them on the court and you recoup a first round pick, you know, that you gave up to, to get Westbrook in the first place. Do you still think they can sneak in as a top 10 NBA team into that playoff scenario? Do you still think that maybe even they're a top eight seed at this point in time? Because with James Harden, you never know. James Harden's going to give you this 30 plus points and maybe carry a team on his back to competency. But I know a lot of people are having their doubts at this point in time. I think there's just a lot of ifs to that. You know, if Wall looks 75, 80% of what he was and the shooting is as improved as everybody claims it is, that helps. Can Christian Wood, their free agent pickup, take a step forward? Is DeMarcus Cousins reasonably healthy enough to contribute in some meaningful way? Yeah. Can Eric Gordon recover the form he had a couple years ago? PJ Tucker also somehow a cyborg, I think, and never seems to break down. So can he, you know, can he stay healthy for another full season? And he's older than LeBron. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the fact that he's taken the pounding he has as an undersized four slash five, you know, for most of his run is is pretty incredible. So a lot of ifs. I think they could, though, if everything broke right, uh, be be a playoff team, but that's probably as high as I'd be willing to go. Yeah, and it's something, a team that right now in its makeup probably would not last very long. You know, if even if they make it through the play-in games and get into a first round, I see them as being, or having a very tough time against one of the top-seeded teams that they would go off against, whether it's uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, you know, what have you. So I am very interested to see how that plays out on their end. And of course, like you said, it might be leading to James Harden eventually, you know, getting moved on. They're committed to going ahead, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, by saying he's not going to be traded before the season starts. But like you said earlier, if the team is not faring as well as I think ownership would like, I see a trade coming or some type of package deal for James Harden to a team that can best supply them. I know everybody's been banding about Philadelphia. I'm not sure if Philadelphia wants to give up Ben Simmons, especially because who's behind Philadelphia at this point in time, Daryl Morey. I'm not sure if he would want to do business in that sense with Houston, especially since he's very familiar with the organization. I know Brooklyn is where James Harden wants to go. I was thinking the other day about it. What about New Orleans? They've got a lot of assets. You never know. Yeah, and you know, I think Zion is somebody that doesn't need the ball or a lot of shots to be impactful. So, in terms of putting him with you know an, an up and coming star, that makes a lot of sense. The the Harden Ingram uh, fit is a little more questionable. So, does Ingram go? Uh, he would go uh, in the back trade in that trade, me. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's one of the assets you give up. So, you know, I don't know if that moves the needle a ton for for New Orleans if. It, to be honest with you, because you're not hitting Zion's prime for a few years and Harden's probably toward the the tailor, you know, closer to the tail end of his prime. So does that make enough sense for them to do it? But they're short, certainly on a short list of teams that has the assets to do it. Same with like Denver, maybe uh, Orlando is somebody potentially who could maybe string together a package. But there aren't like a ton of places that that theoretically could, you know, make the godfather offer there. They were obviously very hesitant in Denver to go ahead and unload Michael Porter Jr. in the trade. He has to be the key to whatever major trade that they do. And if they are feeling that they need a huge upgrade, 
or Murray and Jokic, uh, then I think it's going to be something where they will need to go ahead and give up MPJ, especially mm-hmm. if he continues on the defensive end. I'm not worried about his offense. Obviously, you and I both seen the tremendous stroke this man has from three-pointer at the three-point area, and I'm sure he's still faking out Kyle Kuzma every chance he can get. But I wanted to go ahead and say that MPJ goes, I think, to me, he is the most intriguing prospect out there just on the defensive end, if he can show any kind of competency that, uh, on that end of the floor, who knows? He could become a major valuable asset for Denver staying there or being traded for a superstar like James Harden. Just given the style of player he is, it was probably never going to be a situation where he was going to put all of his effort in the defensive end anyway. But with all the back stuff and the leg issues, he had a foot drop. Like, have you ever seen anybody with a foot drop? Like, that's a pretty nasty thing to have to to put up with. I just don't know that physically he'll ever be in a position to be a real perimeter uh, stopper or anything like that. But like you said, competency would be would be nice. Can he learn the game well enough? Study enough film? Understand scouting reports enough to just be be solid enough on the wing? Because because the offense is is obviously there. I mean, the best case scenario for someone with his body type and build would be Kevin Durant for me, because Kevin Durant was somebody at the beginning when he was really frail, was a sieve defensively at the beginning of his career. And, you know, basically uh, his body caught up to him a little bit and he became a much more competent defender, especially in his time at Golden State, where he was actually a plus defender, quite a plus defender, because he had a mindset at that point in time. I don't know whether he will hit Brooklyn after an Achilles injury. We'll have to wait and see. That team has got some nice talent, but uh, on the defensive end, I don't know. You know, we'll we'll wait and see. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But for your team, When it comes to the Washington Wizards, what you get back is Russell Westbrook. And Russell, uh, you never know whether he's happy because that guy's always angry looking uh, because he's always mad. He's always motivated. He's always 100 miles an hour a minute. I want to hear your thoughts on the Wizards getting him, the, the actual reaction from the fans. Is this something that's going to be a positive? Because I think it clearly puts them now at the back end of the playoff chase in regards to an Atlanta, Orlando, uh, maybe an Indiana. I don't know if, how, how you regard Indiana as far as being up on the other echelon, or do you put them in the mix here? 
uh, I want to hear your thoughts on where do you think it now leads into this NBA playoff chase for the Washington Wizards? Because I think it puts them in the middle of the mix. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think probably like a six seed is is about where where they're probably aiming at this point. Yeah. Uh, the the other teams in the East got better. You know, Philly I think is going to be more competent just because they've put more solid complementary pieces around Embiid and Simmons. You hope that those guys, if you're Philly, you hope that they stay healthy. Brooklyn's obviously better. Like you said, Indiana I think is one of the teams that you could maybe count on to take a step back. I actually think uh, Toronto lost some pieces. So, you know, Lowry's another year older. Maybe they drop back a spot or two. But it, it puts the Wizards in the mix. To be honest, I don't know that it raises the ceiling a ton. I think it's sort of a guaranteed floor raiser. You don't really know what you were going to get with Wall, having not seen him. And I just trust that Westbrook is more likely to stay on the floor over the next three years than than Wall at this point. So it just kind of... Banking on maximizing the next two guaranteed years that you have with Bradley Beal with somebody that, while flawed, at least uh, is probably going to go out and play hard. And and there were some rumblings that, you know, maybe Beal didn't love the the rehab work and, and the shape that Wall was actually going to be in, or, or had questioned the work ethic a little bit there. And you can question a lot about Westbrook's game, but I don't think you can ever question the work ethic. So. Maybe that's a better fit from a mindset, you know, temperament kind of deal. Was the video, the controversial video that was released in September uh, that had John Wall on a, a flashing gang signs, uh, and I know it didn't go over well uh, in the Washington, D.C. area, but I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think that might have played a factor into it? Because, again, Washington gave up the, a possible first-round pick, which I think is something in here that they were reluctant to do. I know they wanted to just say, you know what, we want we wouldn't mind trading John Wall and his big contract because we're talking with both these guys, forty million dollars a year plus contracts. I think both for the next three years as well. Three, yeah. Correct. So, so what, do you think that might have had a factor as well? Do you think owner, might, uh, the ownership might have gone, in, or the generalship, the governorship might have gone to you know Tommy Shepard, who's the GM, who I think is a very good GM, and say, you know what, we think it's time for him to go. I don't think it helped his case any. I mean, this is something that had happened over the course of the last decade. As a rookie, it happened. You know, the NBA had to say something to him about it, about doing it on TV, you know, during a game. Like, it, it's been an issue. And if you're a part of a franchise where they had to change their name because the previous owner, it meant so much to him to to not reflect gang violence. And he had a lot of influence on the community about trying to make the area, at least around where the Wizards play, a safer area. It's just not the connotation you want. And and to be very frank, our owner, or Governor Ted Leonsis, uh, a lot of the moves have been on, you know, been centered around just upping upping viewership and ticket sales and all those things. He, he's one of the, they're one of the organizations that's most heavily invested in sports gambling. There's a big uh, casino attachment uh, or sports book attachment to the, to the arena now. So if you just want, you know, whenever, whenevably we get people back in the arenas, if you just want to guarantee that people come watch your team, you added Rui Hachimura and, and basically all of Japan is part of your fan base last year. You've added Denny Avdia, who brings an Israeli component and a Serbian component with him. Now Westbrook brings a built-in fan base. I, I think that's motivating in some, you know, from, from some aspect of it too, is just 
have eyes on the team and, and try to make profit and you know around the the team through betting and things like that. Vinny Advia is somebody I wanted to talk to you about. That's this year's first round draft choice. I think it was number nine, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I want to ask you this: as something that uh, an individual that Raphael and also Stone Hansen and also Michael Weisenberg, we all covered it on our many shows that I did covering the NBA draft. And I wanted to ask you. His best attribute is playmaking, having the ball in his hands, being that type of forward that go ahead, can go ahead and set up the offense. With Russell Westbrook there needing and commanding the ball quite a bit and obviously not exactly thrilled that he didn't have that option a lot in Houston with James Hardner, who also needs the ball, what is this going to do for his development early on? Because I think it's going to hinder it just a little because he is not the best shooter. I think that's his... his biggest detriment i think that's why he fell so i think that's why he fell down so far in the draft he uh i was one one of the leagues in in, that he was a part of in the israeli league was one of the few leagues that that actually picked back up after covid and in late spring and he looked markedly improved from the perimeter i think you hope that that translates everybody said in the first couple days of workouts they've been really impressed with his ability to shoot the ball so with defenses not keying on him as much, with more time, uh, hopefully they create some open looks for him. I, I think the team's fairly confident that he can be a reasonable spot-up shooter for them. And I, I think it's one of those things where you can never have too many guys that can put the ball on the floor or create open looks for others. So just because that's his best asset doesn't mean that you know it's the only thing that he can do. And, and I think one of those things is they're going to really have to stagger the minutes between Beal and Westbrook anyway. So maybe uh, Avdia is a secondary playmaker next to Beal, and and that helps from a complementary standpoint. But I'm with you overall. I think there are some clunky fits. Rui Hachimura is somebody that doesn't necessarily stretch the floor particularly well. Uh, one of the wings, Troy Brown Jr., is is really more of a sort of a point guard style player at six six though. Uh, Isak Bongo, who probably be the starting small forward, was like a low 30s shooter. So, uh, you know, the, it, it's it's going to be a work in progress to kind of iron out the fit, I think. One shooter, though, that you did get back at a very high ticket price, because as I remarked on another show, I think if you and I could go out there and shoot, we would be worth a nice, cool 30 or 40 million. And that is Davis Bertans, uh, who got five years $80 million for a player that is not going to help you defensively, but man, uh, shooting almost 45% from the three point area, uh, just to, tr- you know, and that's on a high volume too. Uh, he gives you that. So a lot of the, I guess, weight will be on him and Bradley Beal to produce at a high level from the outside. But was his contract or do you think or you think his contract is going to be a value contract going forward? Because I know a lot of people that I've heard from say that on the back end of the deal, that could really be something that could be very, uh, I guess, deficient for the team going forward. Uh, the front part is, I guess, going to be dealt with and okay as long as he continues to shoot like he has. But the back end might be some trouble. I think it's one of those things where $16 million for a shooter compared to what all the other similar caliber players got, you know, Joe Harris and Danilo Gallinari both got uh, in the twenties. So if you could say his deal averages out to like 16 ish, that's probably a value. Uh, He's, he's actually okay. Defensively. I think the metrics weren't kind last year because just 
we had so many negative defenders on the court at the same time. But when he can be just a solid guy in a scheme and and kind of hold off his guy, he's actually okay. So if you make some upgrades around him, I think somebody that he gets the scouting report, he's sort of well coached. Anybody I think that's played for the Spurs at any point in time at least understands how to to play in a defensive scheme. So shooting usually ages pretty well he's a six nine shooter he can literally shoot from anywhere inside half court i've actually seen him knock down about like 30 40 footers in a row again i mean he's the range is unreal so i think that's worth the worth the risk you know risk that you hope he ages well the the thing that was a little off-putting to me initially is the team's gone all in and said that the starting power forward for the team would be second year player rui hachimura so but they were historically bad when they were on the court together last year. Hatchamore was bad defensively. If you can't play them together and you're saying that Hatchamore is a big part of your future, you've just committed to Bertans for five years. That is a little interesting to me. I think the thinking there is that you have Bertans for two years, you give Hatchamore the opportunity to develop, and then hopefully Bertans has held up well enough. And if the caps continued to go up over the next couple of years, he's cost controlled at 16 million. Somebody would take a flyer on him because the years will be shorter at that point. So I think they're hoping that they could kind of flip that for an asset longer term. Whereas if you let him leave, you're, you're pretty much just giving up a potential asset. And shooting is such a desired commodity right now. And it's something that there's not a whole lot of, or not enough of right now in the league. So I can see why, you know, that they committed to what, uh, you know, what was necessary in order to retain him. And you're right, you mentioned Joe Harris and just having that ability to go ahead and shoot at a high level in the 40. If you're a 40% shooter in the league from the three-point area, you've got, the money, you've got some money coming your way. Yeah, you got a job for as long as you want it. Exactly, exactly, indeed. Well, again, I'm speaking to Matt Moderno. You got to go ahead and check out his show, Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V, along with his fellow host, former NBA player Larry Hughes. You got to go ahead and check out their awesome podcast each and every time out when it hits wherever you get your podcasts. Before we head to your thoughts generally on the Eastern Conference and before we head on out, I wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on the baby Lakers, as you joked the last time, and now I've caught that in my mind, but uh, the baby Lakers going forward, Isaac Bonga is Isaac Bonga. I'm still uh, you know, very surprised he's still in the league, I'm going to be honest with you, and still playing uh, at, at a level where he's starting, whether he's actually getting minutes on the NBA floor, because I don't see the next Magic Johnson, as Magic Johnson said once about drafting him. Uh, I, I see Thomas Bryant, though, if he can just pick it up on the defensive end, becoming a very good piece uh, in this mix and very solid for them. And Mo Wagner, if he can stay healthy, uh, can also shoot it from the outside. So I want to hear your thoughts, uh, you know, for the Lakers fans are, are familiar with about what's going on with the baby Lakers and their future going forward for the team in in Washington. I'm actually like the president of Thomas Bryant's fan club. He takes a lot of heat here in DC because he's not, you know, air quotes, an elite rim protector, but there's other ways to protect the rim. Like if you contain guys on the perimeter, you're still protecting the rim and and the wizards did none of that last year. So I think he'll look better with some help and some competent, you know, supporting cast. And and he looked markedly better in the bubble. He, he's struggled with a lot of injuries, which is unfortunate, but 
if he can play that hard offensively, beat his man down the court every time, I, I got to think he can put in similar effort rebounding the ball and things like that. A rebounding guard like Westbrook actually probably helps him. So I'm expecting a pretty big year out of him. You know, Bonga is one that a lot of folks here actually really like. I, I'm not as sold on, but he's one of the few options we have that actually has the length and, and reasonable athletic ability to to put up an effort on, you know, put up some resistance on defense. I, like you said, I, I don't buy the, the baby he's a magic. Fran, he's always been a Fran for Chilla. I think I said it to you before. Yeah. He's a Fran for Chilla yeah. for me, two years away from being two years away. And uh, he's two years away still. He's still really young. Like, I mean, that that's that's the hope is that that he's at least just somebody that can be a body and eat up some fouls and and make life tough for. There's no one else on the Wizards, honestly. They didn't they didn't add any wing help other than Avdia. But who else are they going to like throw at the Tatum's or Durant's or anybody in the Eastern Conference? It just that's a head scratcher to me that they must feel pretty good about his ability to to make a defensive impact that they didn't really add a veteran at that position. I've been calling him broke man's Ben Simmons because, you know, he is long enough. He does put the ball on the floor a little bit, but he's just, uh, he's not scaring anybody from the perimeter. So I, I don't hold out a lot of hope. Uh, Wagner started off the year great. I think people had a lot of hope for what he was going to be. You know, it was cute that he was leading the league in charges for a long time. And then something happened. Like he got hurt for a little bit. And when he came back, he looked scared to shoot it. He was like trying to be like an old school post-up player on defense. He was like diving in front of people trying to hunt charges. So he gave up his foul rate is like ridiculously high. So people are kind of down on his ability to last as, you know, and be a meaningful long-term NBA player. He's part of the reason we threw $7 million at Robin Lopez, who just straight up wasn't good last year. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of faith in, in his ability to be a long-term impact player. But if you'd asked me, you know, in February, I think everybody was all, you know, gung-ho about uh, what he could do for the team. I think if the expectations don't remain high for him, I think he can go ahead and, and be a, a nice piece for you as far as just someone who can go ahead and fill out the roster and, and provide you some decent outside shooting. If, if As mm -hmm. far as, like you said, when he posts up, Give me a break on that because I've seen his post ups in LA and they, you know, they weren't anything to speak of. When it comes to Thomas Bryant, though, that's the thing. You said you're the biggest fan of his. Well, look where he came from. He was a second round draft pick. He was waived by the Lakers when they had to go ahead and, and cut salaries because they had to go ahead at that time and sign LeBron with whatever you know, salary cap space and they couldn't trade him. And so you guys basically got him off the quote unquote scrap heap. I don't know what what there is expectations or has. I mean, you. I mean, if you got a starter, you got a starter and someone who can play meaningful minutes and get give you meaningful production out of that. I think that should be a win for the Washington Wizards. I agree, and I think the Westbrook thing that fits even better because he he does shoot the floor or shoot the ball well from from uh, the perimeter and and spread the floor. He, he's probably out in the top half of the league in terms of shooting starting centers and. Like you said, you're getting him on a on a pretty good deal here because of those expectations. I think we're paying him about almost the same per year as what we're paying Robin Lopez, who averaged five points and two rebounds in 15 minutes a game last year. So it's a value contract. I, I think if he can be a reasonable, if he's if he's your fifth best starter, I think you're in really good shape personally. But everybody here has this notion of we needed Tristan Thompson or we needed Andre Drummond or one of these like 
you know, double digit rebounding uh, centers, and and Brian just hasn't been that. But you know, you do I, have I don't a know that those guys help you much. In Westbrook, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. So I I think that offsets some of the concerns, and I, I like I said, I'm expecting a big year here, and and people just sort of haven't been fair to the guy. That the things that they complain about with Bryant, they don't complain about with Hachimura because he was a rookie, but they're like six months apart in age. I mean, maybe it's a little bit more than that, but it's not a year. So it's not like he's this 26 year old guy that, you know, he should be hitting his prime by now. Like, I think, like you said, the expectation is, is the word there. You got to manage expectations for, for what he's been able to produce already. Rui Hashimura, that's going to be a tough fit for you guys. I mean, you know, nice kid, but again, and like you said, he has a great following, but like I said before, that's a that's a tough fit because he doesn't do anything super great, super well. Uh, he's not the outside shooter that's going to space it out for you. He's not going to bang it up inside or get you the tremendous amount of rebounds. So it's kind of going to be the position where it's going to be hard to keep him on the floor. He doesn't play outstanding defense. So I see him as the one that might be traded before Bertans. I'm just throwing that out there, but I think him... Bertans is a probably more valuable asset you want to keep because he does one thing outstanding, which Rui Hashimura doesn't. I wholeheartedly agree. If it were me in a vacuum, I would trade him now while his value is probably as high as it could could get. I think this year it's going to be a tougher fit with Westbrook in the mix, and, and that could you know potentially hurt his value. But the the hope is he's a really hard worker. He's really smart, like kid that wants to please everybody, so that that he can make some strides. Works hard in the film room by all accounts. So if he gets smarter, he's a better defender. They said the three-point shot's got a much better arc to it this year. It was really flat before. So, you know, you, you try it out, you see how it looks. And uh, if he has a hot start to the year, maybe you flip him for a veteran small forward. If not, uh, you know, if he's your seventh, eighth, eighth guy longer term, that's also not terrible. So they're just so committed to him and everything they've said is, oh, he's the next Kawhi Leonard and all these crazy things that he can never live up to. Uh, it, it's they'll, I don't see them making a move for him anytime in the near future, although I do agree with you that it, it might make the most sense, especially timeline-wise. I, I would just say that it just, for me, it just looks like that's the case and he's going to become lesser and lesser key for you guys with you know his flaws will stand out more than what his uh, you know assets will, will that he brings to the table because he doesn't do anything that stands out uh, you know when you're talking about a five that you're, you're going against and that the other team is going against the wizards per se you're going to target him you don't fear him mm -hmm. you don't you don't say you know what we're going to go ahead and spend a, a total amount of focus on this player because Rui Hashimura doesn't bring anything right now at this point in time that really scares teams to any extent on either side of the ball. There was one game in the bubble where he guarded Kawhi Leonard for a half dozen possessions and Kawhi went like three for 12 that game. And we're going to totally ignore that. Like Kawhi was yawning on the court while dragging a leg and seemed you know totally disinterested, but it's like, Oh, look at this one clip of him. Uh, putting a hand up as Kawhi Leonard bricked a jump shot. Like he's made such strides already. And it's like, uh, he's six foot eight. He's not a monster athlete. He gets blocked at the rim a lot. He can't shoot from three yet. You know, he, he puts the ball on the floor reasonably well for a forward. And he's 
a great mid-range shooter is, you know, if this was 10 years ago, I think he'd have a ton of value in like a Carlos Boozery kind of way. It's just that player doesn't really exist anymore. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. Throwing that Boozer reference out there still gives me shivers when I, I remember Boozer on the Lakers, but we won't go there. We won't go there. But I wanted to go ahead before we head on out and before you tell everybody why they need to believe in the Believe in Wizards podcast, I want to go ahead and hit you up on your thoughts on the Eastern Conference as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. Some general thoughts on the league, maybe you know a scenario where who do you think might might be the uh, the upper echelon? Because it seems like there's a good six or seven teams that you can pretty much count on that have a variable chance, a, a very good chance to go ahead and take the league. I don't think there's a definitive like Milwaukee the past couple of years. I think even Milwaukee is showing some signs of no, there's some cracks in in there, and I think there's about five to six teams that could actually be on top of the Eastern Conference. I would still give the edge to Milwaukee. I think overall, though, everything that, that you know, it, it's a lot closer together now and, and a couple moves could go right for some other teams and where you have a big injury or two for from Milwaukee and, and that could really kind of even the playing field. But I, I think the big the big win here is is the Western Conference. Like for for the Lakers specifically, I think the East getting better is to your benefit, you know, like you can have a few nights off for LeBron and AD and ease them into the season a little bit. And, uh, you know, the, I think the East did get better. It's not going to be as lopsided. I thought the top maybe five teams in the East last year were on par with the top eight teams in the West last year, but maybe that's a little closer to eight to eight than, than it's been the past couple years. So honestly, probably the past two decades at this rate. You know, if if everything works out and and the fit is right in uh, in Brooklyn, that's a team I I think that that could be scary come playoff time. Doesn't seem like there's enough balls to go around for everybody there. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie is a lesser player than Kyrie, but he needs the ball a lot. Karis LeVert was great in the bubble, like he single handedly won them a couple games. He needs the ball a lot. They seem committed to DeAndre Jordan, who hasn't been good in like three or four years. So at some point, Jared Allen's got to take that personally, I would think. So, you know, they put a lot of money in Joe Harris. So they're still good, but there's some fit stuff there. I would expect them to consolidate. So whether it's Harden or somebody, I can't imagine that there isn't some move in their future. And if you can turn some pretty good players like that into one more elite guy and still have a couple good pieces off the bench, they're the team that I would kind of, you know, expect to be maybe not the dark horse, but they're the team I would want to least play uh, in a meaningful playoff series at this point. Uh, Drew Holiday makes Milwaukee better. I think Philly took a, a, a step forward of sort of addition by subtraction from some of the fit stuff. You know, they're they're still weird. I got to imagine Daryl keeps making some moves. Austin, he can't help I, himself. I think, he's addicted. to Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean that that he's probably like chomping at the bit to to get something done here, even if it's on the margins. I'm still not sold on Miami. Be honest with you, as 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 strong a playoff run as they made, you would think it'd be that that's the team to beat. But I just don't see it that way. I think it was they were a team that was well equipped to deal with the bubble weirdness, and you know their their young players could take a leap, and and I could be totally wrong there. But I, I see them sort of in that next tier down with Toronto at this point, and and maybe Indiana if all those pieces work. 
but you hear Oladipo wants out and Miles Turner might also want out. And now Oladipo is saying he never actually said that. I'm not sure I buy that that totally came out of nowhere. Brogdon's had some shaky health history. Sabonis yeah. got hurt last year. That, that, that's a team that just I don't have a lot of faith in making like a, a impactful playoff push, but they're also not somebody I'd want to play in the first round either. And Atlanta got better. I, I don't know that they're, I, I still don't know that I'm scared of a team like Atlanta just because I don't know if they're going to guard anybody well enough, but they got a lot of pieces, Agana, but they, yeah. they got a lot of pieces, I think is what I'd like to mm-hmm. say about them. For sure. Yeah. And could they consolidate some of those guys over the course of the year into another couple names too? You know, maybe that that's the case. And I think there's a lot of teams that are sort of that next tier down of there may be one move away from, from putting themselves in, uh, in the conversation. So it, it's, it's deeper. I, I don't know if it's particularly top heavier, but uh, yeah, I think the East is pretty good overall. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Hey, Lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts opinion pieces and discussions about the world champion los angeles lakers well look no further than lakerholics.com with a legion of followers always there talking about everything lakers and the nba there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run so stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. If there was a surprise team you could see in the East, I'm not necessarily saying coming out of the East per se, but if there's a team that you think is going to surprise this year, who might that be? I don't know if this necessarily counts as a surprise considering they made it as deep as they did in last year's playoffs, but people are talking about how much worse Boston got by giving up Gordon Hayward and, you know, Hayward was important to them as a secondary ball handler and a creator, but they're pretty darn good when Marcus Smart is in the lineup. I actually think Tristan Thompson helps them. And, you know, Daniel Tice was pretty good last year, but the Tice, Robert Williams, Grant Williams trio, they got abused a little bit overall by Adebayo. So Thompson gives you a little playoff pedigree, championship pedigree. He's a body that can bang around. He's a solid team defender. So I actually think you know, they they at least are awash in terms of like roster talent. And I would expect Brown and Tatum to take another step forward. So uh, my co-host Larry Hughes is actually Jason Tatum's godfather. So we're, we're very pro Tatum on our podcast, but great player. I, I just think that I think that guy's got another gear in him at some point. So, so that's the team I would maybe watch out for. But uh, in terms of like surprises, you know, maybe. I would have said Orlando if Jonathan Isaac was going to play this year. I think he's a guy that eventually takes a leap, but I think it's pretty safe to say like these are the seven-ish teams and and who battles it out for like the eighth seed. Could that be Washington that that surprises some folks if uh, you know they make some deals and move some things around? Uh, maybe so. I think uh, when it concerns Tatum, uh, I mean, as someone that I think of the, all the the draft picks of recent years because the Lakers have done a, a very good job of drafting mm-hmm. over the re- recent past. I think that's the one because they, they passed him over for mm-hmm. ball. I think that was something. Yeah, I get, we did eventually get AD for ball, but 
I don't think I would have been able to go ahead and, and tell you with a straight face that it was the right move to do because they would have been able to keep Tatum, maybe trade Kuzma in the deal for mm -hmm. AD and still have that option. But I think that was the, the mistake, obviously, that's going to stick out long term for Lakers fans is passing over Tatum for ball because we bought into the hype and all that. So I guess uh, we'll have to deal with it from there. You know, all three balls are, are, I think, at this point in time, somewhat in the league. Uh, we, yeah. We'll see about Leangelo. But I wanted to hear your thoughts finally on uh, the Lakers themselves. We we started this conversation with the extensions for LeBron and AD. But I know you're hearing out there where you're at as far as you're hearing Lakers, 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 Lakers. And I know a lot of uh, these pundits and analysts are now talking about the Lakers in the same exact way that they were talking about the Clippers last year. And we all know how that story went. And that makes me very nervous about it. I am thinking, yes, I do think the Lakers have the best team in the NBA. I don't think that the, the I guess, the gap between them and the other teams is as big as a chasm as I think some other people think they are. They're already handing the Larry O'Brien trophy. I still think there's still more tweaks that need to be done from the Lakers standpoint. I'm not as high on, on the Harrell signing as I think some others are. I am glad that they now have a bench that at this point in time can give you the kind of support that they didn't have this time last year. But I think there's still some things in place on the defensive end because the defense was such an important key to us winning a championship. I want to hear your thoughts on the Lakers from an outsider's perspective and say, and actually just let me know what your feelings and thoughts are on the Lakers this season, or at least heading into the season. You know, I had heard you say on a previous podcast your your, your stance on Harrell, and I actually really agree with you. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think in a vacuum that's like the best fit. I think they looked at it and said, you know, when push came to shove, Howard and McGee couldn't really help you in a meaningful situation where Harrell at least gives you maybe some secondary scoring and he's a competent body. He's going to play hard. You know, maybe you can I also almost think play it's him... a regular season to postseason. Agreed. I thought Ibaka yeah. would have been a better postseason fit. And Agreed. I think for the regular season to get you points on game 55 of 70 out there to get you like 20, I think Harrell's the best person for that. I'm just not convinced when it comes down to crunch time where Harold's fit will take place. I, I totally, totally with you there. I think he's maybe a bit of an insurance policy too. Like, hey, we could get this guy. Honestly, I think the contract is a value contract oh, for yeah, the yeah. production you get for him. So, so it's one of those things where maybe the fit's not perfect, but hey, it's worth it. And if it doesn't work, we flip him for the right guy at the deadline. And he got us through the first half of the year. You, you saw what the Warriors did with D'Angelo Russell. Like, hey, let's protect the asset, and then maybe we flip it for somebody that makes some more sense for us. So that's kind of how I saw that. The Marcus Saul signing is weird to me. Like, I would, if I'm if I'm a Lakers fan, I would have rather seen, like, an Aaron Baines for the same amount of money. Granted, he's getting a little older, too, but still a little more impactful than, you know, what I think of from Gasol. He was almost unplayable in the bubble. Maybe you write that off as, hey, the bubble did weird things to a lot of guys. So... But he, he's a solid defender. I trust him more than I trust Dwight Howard. Just not a big Dwight Howard guy personally, but he's solid. He can move the ball around a lot. He's a, a veteran guy, good locker room guy. You know, other than the one year in Cleveland, you don't really hear a lot about like just a lot of major chemistry issues on LeBron James led teams. So 
I think Gasol kind of fits in with what they're trying to do. I love the Wes Matthews deal. Like it's, he's just going to be like a solid, competent adult at all times. And uh, that's a guy, if you can get him on a minimum like that, that that's a great pickup. You want to start him? Go ahead. You want to have him coming off the bench? Go ahead. You want him spawning out for threes? Go ahead. You want to put him on a Kawhi or somebody just at least, you know, not not contain any superstar wing out there, but you want to go ahead and hold him off, maybe to slow him down. He can do that too, even at his age and even after an Achilles injury. So he proved it for Milwaukee that he's able to go ahead and slow some of these big wings down just a little bit. I'm not asking mm-hmm. for that type of, of deal where, you know, you, you're going to go ahead and become a, a stopper or anything like that. But, and he can also hit from the outside, I think a little bit more effectively at this point in time than Danny Green. Cause I know a yeah. lot of people were remarking about how painful it was to watch Danny Green and the, his gait and his movement at this age. But I, I think he's going to give you a little bit more than Danny Green can at this point in time. Yeah. Green seemed to fall off a cliff, which was surprising to me because I've always been sort of a, a fan of what he brings and, you know, I don't watch the Lakers to the level you do, but I watch enough games to to get a good feel for the team. I think I've personally just never seen KCP play well. Um, like I just, I feel like every time I watch, he's you know shoots shoots low thirties for the game and is sort of bullied around by bigger wings. So I, I just still don't trust him a ton in like super crunch time. And I think Matthews is at least like you said, he's going to put up more resistance and and not do anything dumb. I think the big question for LA is what they do with Kyle Kuzma longer term. I don't know that I see him being on the roster by the end of the year. I could see him being flipped for another wing or a guard, some you know, some some other help somewhere because he seems a little redundant to me in terms of what they have uh, across the board. Uh, if I remember correctly, you're not like a super big Kuzma guy, right? I was in the first year. I Really got on the Kuzma train in the first year as a rookie. I actually saw his first game live here in Las Vegas, and I was really high on him. I thought he was a great kid. I thought he had a lot of promise. Then his shot decided to go ahead and uh, walk out of town. And once his shot walked out of town, you saw a lot of the glaring weaknesses that he had. Now, he did last year really, really, by leaps and bounds, move his defensive attitude Mm -hmm. and his effort and his efficiency to a level that I never thought he could get where he's now a competent defender. He still gets beat on fakes and, and you know, when he's playing against the elite players, he's still going to get, you know, owned more times than not. But I've seen him being put up against Westbrook. I've seen him being put up against guards, forwards, and even taller players. Remember he was our starting center at some point, at one point in time, which is kind of, you know, a funny in and of itself. But he has improved tremendously on the defensive end, so I will give him credit there. But yes, still the inconsistent shooting. He is an awkward fit on that Lakers starting lineup. And I think going forward, that's going to be an issue for the team. So they have to decide, do we really want to commit to someone who is going to still be an awkward fit for three years when you've got LeBron and AD? Or are you going to find a piece that's better for you? And as much as I enjoy Kuzma as a person, and also what I remember fondly as a player in this rookie year, unless he returns to that player, I don't see him lasting long on the Lakers team. Yeah, I see it similar to the Hatchamore thing on our end, you know, just kind of a a, a six eight power forward ish guy, like not a great lockdown shooter, not a great defender. 
So he has some value and some upside, I think, that you can still maybe flip him for someone. So like you said about Harrell, I could see him being kind of heavily featured early in the year to get that value up, and then maybe you flip him for for a solid vet. I think he can still score 19 to 20 points on a bad team, uh, let's sure. say like like a Detroit or something. And I think he can still obviously, as a complementary piece, can be a complementary piece on a championship mm-hmm. team. He's already proven that. But I, I just think in the, with the Lakers, he's always going to be that awkward fit because I think he needs the ball more times than he can actually get on the Lakers. Between LeBron and Davis and Harrell and now Schroeder, do you really need another guy who's just going to kind of come in and try to give you 15-ish yeah. points a game? And you know the Knicks only have like 11 power forwards on their, their you know on their roster, so maybe that's a team that would be interested, and you could get a somebody back. But well, I think New York is doing a little bit smarter now these days. I think uh, that they're now saying, you know what, throw your bad contracts our way, but just give us assets yeah. in return. I'm not saying they're doing it by leaps and bounds, but at least it's a step in the right direction for New York and those long-suffering sure. fans. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the guy we just now got to at the end here, Schroeder, is the big needle mover because yeah. Rondo was tough. Quinn Cook didn't give you anything. Uh, Alex Caruso is like a cute story, but he's still, I think, not the guy you'd prefer having playing you know, crunch time minutes as as your point guard. So. I think Schroeder will help a lot. As a defensive off-guard yeah. deal, Caruso has been tremendous yeah. playing some of those spot minutes. I mean, obviously, he proved it in the finals. He he can be, I don't want to say a lockdown defender per se, but statistically, He's good. the yeah. statistics are very kind to his uh, performance and attributes. And obviously, we, we adore him here uh, You know, and his effort. Wish he could shoot better. He had that one That's stretch the last mm-hmm. uh, the season prior where in that 30-game stretch, he was shooting 40% from three points. And you thought, oh, there's a breakthrough there. And then, yeah, it unfortunately did not come to pass. But, you know, we love him here regardless. He, he gives you so much effort. And he plays so efficiently with LeBron. Mm-hmm. I mean, the statistics back that up as far as one of the best duos in the league. And that's just like, I know that came out of nowhere. And it just, it's like people are just fascinated by it. But... You're right. Uh, the pieces are there for a championship. I, I I do think they are the favorite and should be the favorite, but I just don't think right now it's like the Grand Canyon-esque type Agreed. leap. And, and I think the Clippers at first kind of took a step back, but I think they've now leveled off with some additions that they're now as representative as they were last year. But is there any other team that you think in the West that might be someone that could stick out to you as well before we head on out? The guy you were going you were going in on earlier, I think you you nailed it with Michael Porter Jr. If if he can be a starting, you know, knockdown shooter for from them and a competent, serviceable defender, and Gary Harris maybe regains a little bit of form, or or they package some of those guys up and make a big trade. Denver's still really young. I think Jokic is going to get better. I think. Uh, you know, Jamal Murray looked amazing for most of the bubble. If that can be stretched over the course of a season, yeah. uh, the nightmare matchup for people. So I haven't given up hope on them because I just think even if they don't make a ton of moves, they're still young enough for they internal some development. Defense, though. They gave up a lot of defense when they, they uh, let some people go in free agency. Yeah, I think Jeremy Grant was one of those guys that, like, if you get into the numbers a little bit, was maybe a little over overrated in terms of what he brought to them defensively. You know, the length was nice, and Paul George, or not Paul George, Paul Millsap, 
is starting to really fall off a cliff in, in terms of what he can provide. But Torrey Craig's defense slowed down considerably. He couldn't shoot it. So I think if you have guys like Will Barton back that didn't play in the bubble that we kind of forget about, yeah. you know, that the, they're, they're going to be tough and, and they've got the pieces to make a move. And I, I think that's the big thing. And I obviously really like what Portland did. I don't know that they're going to take a big enough step forward to, to really challenge anybody for a championship, but I would much less like to play Portland in a first round series next year than I did, you know, would have this past year. Absolutely. I think they made a lot of nice upgrades and I just think if they can find some level of competency on the defensive end, watch out. They could be a top four team in the Western conference. So a lot of good things to speak of there, but before we head on out, even more great things when it comes to your podcast, the believe in wizards podcast. So give me the sell job on the way out as far as the believe in wizards podcast between you and Larry Hughes and what you do for wizards fans and NBA fans in general. Well, yeah, I appreciate the kind words there, too. Uh, we just try hard to to give a different perspective that you can't really get in, in the Washington area specifically. Larry's one of the few former players that does media that isn't team affiliated. I mean, not that the guys that do stuff for the team aren't great, but there's only so so much candor you can provide when the team is, is signing your check. So uh, Larry has just an unbelievable way of just being like real and transparent and fair but without ever having to be mean or, or critical of guys. So he's one of the few guys of, of the ex-pros that can kind of walk that line and, and give you real insight without having to be gimmicky. And, uh, you know, the, from our, our episode that came out uh, yesterday about the Westbrook stuff, he did like a five-minute thing just talking about how, how NBA scouting reports actually work. And, and if you're just like a, a nerdy basketball fan, I think it's the kind of thing that would be really interesting from an insight perspective, because I think everybody gets how that works on like a college team. You know, you scout a particular team and things like that. But I had no personal idea how, how those things get worked out, what really shows up on a scouting report. So it's things like that. And then uh, he was able to kind of say from a firsthand uh, perspective what it's like to guard russell westbrook like uh you know the media covering our team there's no one else that can tell you you know what it's like to actually have to try to you know, try to shut that guy down so a lot of stuff like that and, and we just try to try to balance that out and just uh bring in as many good guests as we can we've had you know the gilbert arenas's troy brown juniors we, we try to mix up the the perspectives mugsy bogues you know uh, di different people to just kind of provide different aspects from from wizards history i'll tell you what i'm going to check out the episode that you dropped i'm going to check that out today i'm very intrigued to hear what he has to say about this little mono e mono deal that they did involving tens of millions of dollars still on the table for each so that's still something that wizards fans have to look at but i think there's a little bit more hope uh in the dc area because of what a healthy or somewhat healthy 30-year-old plus guard. Yeah, exactly. You're keeping your fingers crossed the whole and knocking on every single bit of wood you can. But I think he is the healthier of the two, like you were saying. So I think there's a little bit better future for the team. He might be a little bit better fit between him and Bradley Beal. And anything you can do to keep Bradley Beal there is of paramount importance for you in Washington, I would assume. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. It's just keep Beal happy, and, and if this does that, and it seemed from like his press conference today that that he seems pretty happy about the fit, I think that that makes it a win 
win for everybody. I, I will say that half the fan base here is a sort of, it's a reasonable split of people that even if they like the deal, there's still that nostalgia factor. Like Wall was one of the longest tenured players on any team. So anytime you change something that's been a staple in your routine for a decade, there, there's going to be that sort of weird period of, I don't know how to feel about this, I think. Well, we'll see if John Wall plays well down in Houston. There's going to be a lot of, I told you so, I told you yeah. so is coming out of the woodwork for your show. For sure. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you. Again, I'm going to have to have you on more often because it's been far too long since you've been on the show. I truly appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today. It is Matt Moderno. Again, please check out his show, Believe, B-L-E-A-B. That's part of the Believe Network. Believe in Wizards podcast with him along with Larry Hughes, NBA great guard that was in the league for many years. You want to go ahead and check out their insight each and every time out on the Believe in Wizards podcast. It's awesome again having you here, Matt. I cannot thank you enough for being part of the show, being part of the program right here at the Lakers Fast Break podcast. <laughs>